The following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, and the nominee is, <laughs> uh, this is Cindy Hollis, and I chair, well, actually, I oversee as a staff member the Scholarship and Awards Steering Committee, and Tonight, we have one of the co-chairs, Deb Trevino of the Awards Committee, as well as Deb Cook-Lewis, Board of Publications uh, Chair, and with us, as well as several panelists who are going to help us meet, learn about, and understand the people and the awards that uh, have been named that they've been named after. So, uh, without further ado, why don't we just jump right in? Because I think, uh, yeah, let's let's just get to the to the crux of it all. So, uh, Carla, you there is the George Card Award, and I'm trying to remember what the actual title is of that award. Does somebody have that, Janet or Sharon? The George Card. Sorry, I was on, I was on another okay. award. Let me grab that real That's fast. Okay. Uh, uh, not George Card, Card not award George Card, James R. Olson. Sorry, we're oh. she's going to talk James R. Olson. That's the distinguished. Now you're making me look for another. Sorry, it's a di- <laughs> distinguished service <laughs> award, right? Yes, yes, the distinguished All service right. award. So, Carla, tell us about Jim. Oh golly, how long do we have? <laughs> I know you could probably go on and on, but I know you I have a, an, another date. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Jim, Jim Olson um, first came to ACB, I believe, in 1976. I think that his first convention and my first convention as an adult out of high school and um, out of college were the same year, and that was in Hot Springs in 1976. Jim. Um, had had been uh, he he actually his his training was as an accountant and he had lost his vision to a great degree uh, as uh, as he had was also working on his accounting degree and um, <clears throat> when he got involved with ACB he basically thought that he couldn't be successful in that field ACB needed a treasurer <clears throat> and I can't remember. If he was elected treasurer that year, or if it was um, another year or two, but he became the treasurer of ACB. He served ACB in an amazing way, and then he was sort of an assistant, and then he eventually became the CFO of ACB. But the big thing uh, that I think is important about Jim was not the numbers that he put on the page or how he accomplished what he did himself. I think the big thing in ACB was the same thing that distinguished him with the staff that he eventually had. Um, When he started out, 
<clears throat> he was kind of a one-man band. And um, by the time that he passed away, I think it was 2004. Kim, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah. he he had um, he had more than just a working relationship with his staff. I can tell you that when he passed away in in 2004, that a couple of the people who were working for him was a couple, Juan and Chi. They not only did not move anything on his desk. Nobody that went in that office sat in his chair or anything else. I mean, to him, he was J.R.O. And he was, he really cared about people. He really worked in so many ways for ACB that was more than just numbers. If you knew Jim Olson, you knew a person that was warm and caring about people. And even if he disagreed with you and you disagreed with him, um, it was still, it, it, it was still, this was still a warm person. Um, Jim also, <clears throat> Jim lost his vision and then regained some uh, because of diabetes. He was a, a, he had diabetes as a young person. And he was really different because he's one of the very few diabetics I've ever known who um, learned some Braille. And more importantly than that, he learned to use an Opticon. Wow. And any of you that know about Opticons know that yeah. that takes a lot of feeling. It does, um, yeah. To be able to use an Opticon. And um, he began, also he was one of the, I won't say that he began all by himself because nothing ever happens in a vacuum. <clears throat> but he led the way in creating uh, a diabetes seminar for people. And, I, and if my memory is correct, and it could be off a year, but I think that the first diabetes seminar was in Philadelphia in 1984. And he worked on that every year. So I think it could be said that the diabetes, that the diabetics in action sort of came out of his work. It didn't exist when Jim was here with us, but that was something that he cared a lot about was trying to help blind diabetics um, like himself. I, I just often think about how much difference Jim made to all of us um, that knew him. And I can tell you that in 2007, when the convention was in Minneapolis, it was really special because, and sort of sad in a way, but it was special too because Jim had always wanted ACB to come to Minneapolis. And, um, but ACB never got to Minneapolis while Jim was alive. But there we were in 2007. And, um, uh, and, and that was the first of two conventions in Minneapolis. And um, it was, it was really great to, be able to publish, to put his picture in that program. So if you have a convention program from 2007, Jim Olson's picture will be inside. Um, I believe it's either inside the front cover or it's on the, the, the back of the title page. It, it was very prominent in that program. Mm -hmm. And so out of that came, and I think Jim would have been proud, out of that came for a few years putting... Um, recognitions for people in the program, people who had passed away. And uh, I think it would be a short jump from those recognitions to finding a more permanent way to recognize those people. And so that became 
the angels program. So he's been very significant to ACB. And I was personally very proud to have known Jim. Does anybody else want to chime in anything? Yes, may I? This Go is for Janet. It. Yeah. One thing about Jim is he was a gentleman. He was the kindest, as Carla said, he cared about everyone. And he loved his family and he got his family involved in ACB. His wife is still a member of ACB of Minnesota, as are his two adult daughters. And his wife still comes to a lot of our meetings and bakes stuff for our bake sales and our auctions. And I mean, he lived and breathed ACB and he brought his children up in ACB. And when they were young children, they were at the conventions. Carly, you remember them coming as, as young. Oh, Janet. Correct? I mean, when he had his first heart attack, um, I don't know. His, his first, daughter and son-in-law ran registration, didn't they? Yes. Yep. He, here comes Martha and Sarah and they're teenagers. And, and Martha was what about 16 at the time and she ran registration and it was just as if he had been there wow. and she just they did a great job yep. they're mm. just a wonderful family all right thank you so much so let's move on to... do you want to do you want me to read the description of this yeah, why don't right you now? that would be good go actually that'd be go perfect i okay. think that's perfect right. yeah The James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award is periodically given to individuals who have made important contributions which have advanced opportunities for the blind community. That that award can be given to an individual or an organization. Um, Oh, wait, that's the old language. I'm sorry. I'm I'm reading the wrong thing here. All right. So it's, it's... It's given in honor of James Olson, ACB's longest serving staff member who served Mm -hmm. as as assistant treasurer, treasurer and executive director of ACB Enterprises and Services. It may be given to an individual or organization that has made important contributions to advance opportunities for the blindness community. All right. And that's. All right. That's Thank the you. criteria for the James Olson Award. So why don't we go over to the um, Robert S. Bray Award, Kim. And why don't, why don't you talk about Robert S. Bray? All right. Well, thank you, Cindy and um, Deb and Deb, the chairs of the awards committee, um, for giving me the opportunity to talk about Robert S. Bray. So the Robert S. Bray Award... Um, is given in honor of a past director of what is now known as the National Library Service for the, um, for the Blind and Print Disabled. And this award may be given to an individual or an organization that has made a significant contribution to improving library services, information technology, or communication access. So somehow they thought I would be a good presenter being a librarian myself. So why? And of course, I know you all have an hour and a half because I get copious research as a good librarian would. And I, (laughs) I found all kinds of things, probably more than NLS even had, because they helped me get some of this, which was kind of interesting. But so Robert S. Bray, he began his, professional career working at the um, the Washington, D.C. Public Library. And after five years there, he moved over to the Library of Congress, and that was in 1940. 
um, with, with a timeout for naval service during World War II. Then he spent the remainder of his career at the Library of Congress. In 1957, Bray took over as chief of the Division for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, the predecessor to the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. So, and he worked there until his retirement in 1972. So during his tenure, he oversaw the transition from a network of libraries numbering 28 cooperating libraries to more than 100 um, cooperating libraries. Um, He increased readership under his direction from around 58,000 people to more than 300,000 people. Not only did he grow services, but he also oversaw um, a technological transition, which um, he took the program from records to cassettes, and he often spent um, a lot of time explaining cassette tapes and how they worked to assuage patron anxieties at the time from moving to a new medium and the the transition to cassettes. Now, these days when I talk about cassettes, um, junior high kids go, what are cassettes? So, you know, I'm I'm starting to (laughs) feel a little old there, but under um, Mr. Bray's um, leadership, he he transitioned the, the records that were the beginning of the program from the 33 and a third record down to the 16 and two thirds RPMs, that's revolutions per minute, in case you are not up on your record lingo, and eight and a third RPMs, which was the final speed that um, the records played while they were in the program. He also was the responsible for adding the flexible disc record and inserting a flexible disc in the talking book topics. Um, Prior to the time that he did that, Talking Book Topics came out in Braille or print, but there was nothing for anybody to access it who who was not able to read either of those two formats. So he brought a lot of independence to users of the program. He also modernized the record player. He brought on board the variable speed controls, remote controls, rechargeable batteries, Um, removable lids for the record player. And of course, he transitioned the entire cassette program with players and the talking books themselves on cassette. Um, Under his leadership, he also um, increased the budget of the Library of Congress, National Library Service, from approximately $1 million when he started in 1957 to about $9 million when he retired in 1972. And just to give you um, some perspective, um, the the 2021 budget is about $57 million. So that's kind of a lot of growth. Um, He also was responsible for engaging the telephone pioneers, which I'm sure everybody has heard about, who helped to repair the players over all those years. Um, He started that program. And he also started the direct circulation of magazines to borrowers coming straight from the producer, which really speeded up getting your subscription for your local magazines or the magazines that you were subscribed to in a much more timely way. You didn't get your 
U.S. news um, two months later. You got it very, very quickly. And that started to make the magazine program so much more effective for people who wanted to read current news, not old news. So he he was very innovative, um, very creative, sometimes a little bit controversial. Um, he He was responsible for two initiatives at the library that some people thought were very innovative, others were a little nervous about. And the first one was when he expanded the eligibility of the the program from just beyond blind people to visually impaired people or people who had physical disabilities. And a lot of people were afraid that that was going to water down or weaken the program and not having blindness be a priority. But he was able to increase the funding to support it. And there was never an overwhelming registration of people with physical disabilities. So to this day, blind individuals are still the primary audience for the NLS service. So the second controversy that he was responsible for was um, the the trend in the um, early 70s for um, sub-regional libraries. Those are generally libraries that operate out of a public library um, rather than just one network library or regional library in a state. So that's why he took the program from 28 libraries to over 100 was because of the, um, the introduction of the sub-regional library concept. <laughs> so that was, that was um, another one of his, um, his things he was responsible for. Um, he received many awards during his life. Ironically, not the Robert S. Bray Award from the American Council of the Blind, because he passed away prior to that. And that's why the award was named in his honor to recognize his contributions. But he received the Francis Joseph Campbell Award in 1968 and the Library of Congress's Distinguished Service Award in 1969 and ALA's, the American Library Association, Exceptional Service Award in 1973. And he was also the recipient of the American Foundation for the Blinds highest honor, the Miguel Medal, and the American Optometric Association's highest honor, the Apollo Award. So he was very, very um, respected in the field and had a tremendous amount um, of responsibility for those early years of the program, and especially growing it and broadening its eligibility to include more individuals with print disabilities. So that's that's basically um, where Robert S. Bray made his contribution and why the American Council of the Blind recognizes him with um, an award named after him. Thank you for sharing some of that controversial stuff. That's very, very fascinating. It shows me that things haven't really changed over the years, right? We still kind of panic when somebody, when we think um, somebody might water down right? Blindness issues. And so anyway, it's just very fascinating. That's great. I don't even want to think about where we'd be without what his contributions have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it was very methodical and very organized. And, Mm -hmm. and he, you know, he went to cassettes before cassettes were really a mainstream thing. And, um, and I can just imagine 
having gone through the transition from the cassette to the digital cartridge, <laughs> how patrons were so worried yeah. about this new format and, and would it be as good as a cassette? And and yeah. now you can't <laughs> keep them away from their digital cartridges. They yep. love them. So, so it was kind of that way with cassettes because prior to cassettes, he had done a little bit of experimenting with magnetic tape, which is reel to reel. So that's really goes back a ways um, as the new format um, beyond records. So it's it's very interesting to see how things, you know, move, grow, and change like that. So, Janet, could you read the but, description? Uh, Kim read the at, when Kim I first started talking. Oh, you did at the beginning. The Perfect. Was, okay. Yes. Uh-huh. You want me to read it again? I'll be. No, but that no. Was, I think that that's good. That's fine. Uh, so Deb, uh, Deb Cook Lewis. Uh huh. Why don't you? introduce us to at least one of your awards. Why don't we sprinkle them in? Yeah. Okay. And mine are quicker because, you know, I don't have quite the rich history that some of our members do, but I am very proud of our BOP awards. So um, the first one that we'll talk about then is the Ned E. Freeman Award. Um, And this award is um, given Uh, every year to someone who has published uh, an article in one of ACB's magazines. So it's usually uh, in the ACB Braille Forum or eForum, but it can be in one of our um, one of our affiliate publications. Um, affiliates do sometimes nominate articles, and we absolutely consider them. And um, we probably we we're thinking that we need to actually sort of rethink how some of these awards work because uh, ACB now publishes so much stuff that's not necessarily in magazine form, for example, the the blog, the ACB voices, and and some other things where some very worthwhile writing happens um, that we don't usually pick up for these awards. So we will be working on thinking about that. But uh, Ned Freeman, um, we talk about controversial people. Um, Ned Freeman was the first president of the American Council of the Blind. Um, He was born in 1902 in Nebraska, and he went on to become a chemist for the Food and Drug Administration, and uh, he was married in 1927 and coincidentally passed away on their anniversary, which is kind of a a sad thing to think about. Yeah. So, um, by 1930... Ned Freeman had been um, diagnosed with a deterioration of the optic nerve, which ultimately led to um, his total vision loss. But he uh, taught himself Braille, and he corresponded uh, with many individuals and read widely and uh, was very busy and active in a number of things and um, became originally a part of the uh, Georgia Federation of the Blind, where he served as president for two terms. But in the course of that, um, there were some challenges um, within the NFB that were raising concerns for a number of people. And actually, um, ultimately, uh, Nettie Freeman was significant in this transition to a new and separate organization. Um, He drafted a statement of beliefs for the provisional committee to read over and uh, react to 
um, at the Kansas City Convention, which led to the walkout where ACB was actually formed and split from uh, NFB. So he was a pretty um, controversial yeah. character in his own day, as kind a matter of fact. Kind of a mover and shaker there, right? Mover yeah. and shaker for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he, so he was um, duly elected president of at, in the Kansas uh, City um, event. And he served a five-year term as the first president of ACB. Um, He uh, wrote articles regularly uh, for the Braille Forum, and these were called the ACB President's Fireside Chat. Well, what do you know? What do you know? (laughs) Yeah. And um, so so I thought that was all pretty cool. Um, He did um, uh, edit occasionally the... uh, uh, the forum and um, in January uh, 66 uh, specifically took over that uh, for about a year following um, the resignation of the previous editor. Um, So um, unfortunately he died of lung cancer in 1969. um, And, and so we lost him, but that award was established um, in his honor and it is a writing award. And as I said, it usually goes to um, someone who has had an article in um, the ACB Braille forum or e-forum, but it does have a wider expanse than that as well. Perfect. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry, would you mind talking about George Card? Hi, everyone. Sorry, I'm so. Oh, we can't hear you, Terry. You... Are you there? I, uh, unmuted. And my mic. You're unmuted. Yeah, I'm you, unmuted. Am there I you are. You're, you're doing better there. Okay. There you go. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I'm having to hold the microphone up to my lips, practically. Yeah. Back off just a little. Yeah, just I a little. I think okay. it's some of it's oh, your okay. internet. All right. Yeah. It, it could be. I don't know what's going on. It's a bad night for connecting, obviously. <laughs> um, it kept telling me that Safari wouldn't open, couldn't find oh. the server. <laughs> um, George Card. You know, when Cindy called and asked me if I knew uh, him, in my mind, I said, yes, I remember meeting him a few times. Then when I started looking, thinking it over and that I realized I didn't know him. So I went back. It was Floyd Qualls that I was thinking of. <laughs> and um, so I went back and spent some time rereading people, a good bit of People of Vision. And I, I had always known of George, but I had never actually met him. Um, but I read in People of Vision and, you know, as... As Deb just mentioned about uh, Ned Freeman, Joe being part of the uh, initial group of people who started a uh, started ACB. Uh, George Card had a, an enormous role in that as well. Um, he originally was the treasurer and another position um, in the NFB, and he was a very staunch supporter of Chick Tenbrook. And um, it took him a while to realize what was going on. And it gets into all of that. And if anybody really wants to read 1955 to 19 to 2003, um, read, reread the People of Vision, the history of ACB. Um, George had a lot to do with, eventually, he was a very, very strong influence in getting other state affiliates um, that had been purged by the uh, by 
Tenbrook and the NFB and later Ken Jernigan. Um, he had a lot to do with getting them together to look at, do we need a third or a third group? What do we need to do to try and, you know, everyone was still trying to keep one organization that was democratic. And he had a lot to do with getting those groups in late, in later years to become part of ACB. And he probably did um, as much as almost anyone else with maybe the exception of Derwood McDaniel um, in, in really getting ACB off the ground as far as membership expansion. And he was also very involved with uh, finances and such at that time. And one of the things is he, that really struck me, oh, and many people back then, I guess, was his devotion and his, um, his conscience, I guess. When a lot of the things came out, good, bad, indifferent, true or false, about him when he le uh, left the NFB, he took his licks. He knew that some things had been wrong and he was willing to let to go before people and just said, I'll take my punishment. And, you know, he didn't try to no, it didn't happen. Um, you know, he he realized what he had done, what was good and what wasn't good. And he was equally willing to admit to that. And I think that's something that all too often in this day and age gets forgotten about that uh, keep the job regardless kind of attitude that he did not have. And I think that's, I think that was one of his best characteristics. He became an absolute zealot for ACB and worked all over the country in getting, in helping Durward and Ned and Hollis Liggett and the others, uh, Murray Boring, uh, people we've known, most many of us have known people like, well, now we know her as MJ Schmidt. Back then she was Mary Jane Hills, uh, Kathy Skyvers getting so many different groups involved and making ACB what it became and what it has become. And that's why we, back in, I think it started in 68, I think is the year that the uh, card award started being given. As I recall now, unless it has been changed fairly recently, it may or may not be given on an annual basis. And um, is it Deb? Do you want to give the... Uh, Janet, Janet criteria. has it. Yeah, Janet yeah. has it. Yeah. I can read the description of it if you'd yeah. like. That Please. Would be great. The George Thank R. Card Award is given in honor of George Card, who was the executive secretary of the Wisconsin Council of the Blind, a member of ACB's board of directors, a delegate to the World Council for the Welfare of the Blind, and an associate editor of the Braille Forum. It is presented in recognition of outstanding service by a blind person who has contributed to the betterment of the blindness community. This recipient must possess leadership qualities and demonstrate strength, strength as a positive role model. Thank you. You did a much better job than I did of talking about him. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. That was great. Deb, why don't you uh, share one of your BOP awards again? I'm ready. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to skip forward in time a little bit then um, and uh, talk about Vernon Henley. 
Um, and um, Vernon Henley is um, that that particular award in the Board of Publications is a media award. It is given uh, when it is given. It is, hasn't been given every single year, um, but we'd like to. We could. And um, it is given for um, some kind of portrayal or representation of blind people in the media um, or about blind people in the media in some way that is, you know, extremely positive. So, for example, last year we uh, gave it to the producers of the docu series, you know, about the puppies, the guide dogs, um, and uh, pick of the litter. Couldn't think of its name, um, and so we um, we gave it for that, and we've given it for other things. But it's been um, a variety of of different um, media. Uh, things that that we have uh, done in the past. So um, we definitely welcome submissions for that award and still can happen. Um, Vernon Henley uh, was the creator and producer of something we're still familiar with today, ACB Reports. Um, and it's the monthly radio show and, and magazine that goes out over the phones and on the radio, um, airs on radio reading services nationwide, as well as, of course, on our own ACB radio. And um, he was also the chairman of the Board of Publications uh, during uh, the 1980s. Um, he unfortunately died in a house fire in uh, 1986, and the board of directors approved the creation of the Vernon Henley Media Award at the 1988 convention and has been given um, various times ever since. Um, when I was doing some reading about Vernon Henley, because I I actually um, had a, a little more um, familiarity with who he was than some of the other people that, you know, that we have awards for. And so um, one of the things that um, people said in different um, articles that I read about him and different quotes about him was that he was one of those people who was just everywhere. Um, he was the guy you'd find, you know, passing out microphones at the convention, if that was appropriate, or doing some other kind of thing behind the scenes, always making things go. And um, so he was um, he was a vibrant person and um, and very very busy. And certainly at a time when um, ACB was was growing and um, and changing in many ways. And when and the media award. Um, you know, was is representative of his interest in in a wide range of media activities, and so uh, we're very very proud of that award. All right, thank you, Janet. Would you like to talk about one of the newer awards, uh, Marjorie? Uh, yes, the Marjorie G. Beeman Volunteer Recognition Award. Now, <laughs> I don't think I really have to tell anybody about Marjorie Beeman. Because anyone who has ever attended a state convention knows that Marjorie is everywhere, all the time, 24-7, working at the airport, getting helping people get from point A to point B, running around the hotel, doing accessibility at the hotel prior to the convention. I, I know that the hotel staff always cringes when they see Marjorie because she goes everywhere and she comes up with a big laundry list of anything that needs to be done at the hotel to make our stay as positive as possible. She is I call her the Energizer Bunny because she never stops, but she doesn't just help 
with ACB. She is instrumental in her chapter. She works for so many other organizations, an organization getting clothing for young students. I believe it's Dress for Success. She helps with, um, they, I believe it's called their Blue Santa program in Texas. I mean, you name it, Marjorie is involved in it, and she really exemplifies volunteerism. So we came up with this award, and Marjorie was the first recipient of the Marjorie G. Beeman Volunteer Recognition. And we all know people like Marjorie. They volunteer for everything. They raise their hand when we need somebody on a committee. They help with a bake sale. They run around all over the place doing everything for anyone. And they don't just help with ACB. They help with many organizations. And um, other people that have been awarded this Marjorie G. Beeman Award were other infamous, famous volunteers within ACB. Patty Cox received it one year for all of her work in Kentucky and also at national conventions. Sally Benjamin for her work in Florida and work at national conventions. As Michael Smitherman last year with all of his exhibitor work. And uh, so we've had some really dynamic winners for the uh, recipients of this award. And, um, the American Council of the Blind has created the Marjorie G. Beeman Volunteer Recognition Award to honor individuals who have given uh, given tirelessly of of their efforts, resources, ex- I can't even read expertise or time towards improving the quality quality of life in the blindness community. The achievements, accomplishments, or service on which the nomination is based must reflect ACB's vision and mission. This award may be given to a um, deserving individual or organization. And that is what we talk about for the um, Marjorie G. Beeman Award. And as we said, this is a very new award, and it's such a pleasure to give that award out. Janet, do you remember when that award first? Um, 2017. Okay, I thought so. It's It, it really is a newer award. Yes. So, yeah. yes. All right, thank you. And yes, she has always got, I mean, early, early in the morning, oh. late, and it doesn't matter when. Nope, and, she yeah. never sleeps. Yeah. Or right. she's just this little minute of a person. All right. Uh, Deb, let's go back to you with another BOP award. Okay, well, this is my final uh, BOP award, but um, I get to go back to the controversial people again. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm probably one of the most controversial award um, uh, named persons we have in the organization. So this is um, Hollis Liggett. Great first name. Yes, isn't that a word? <laughs> yes, yes. And he likes his first name. I do. Yeah, last name yeah, yeah. He's one, He is one of those people that my husband always says he has. He has two last two names. Two last names. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, Hollis Liggett. And uh, so, yes, exactly. Um, he was the editor of the first six issues of the Braille Free Press, which was the forum's predecessor and one of the hallmarks of the initiation of um, ACB was over um, over the issue of um, what you could write and uh, what you could say. 
And this was extremely important to um, Hollis Liggett. And so um, the Braille Free Press actually, I believe, precedes ACB by a bit, but then was ultimately um, incorporated into becoming the the Braille Forum, which is ACB's official magazine. The uh, Memphis uh, chapter of the organization underwrote the cost of the first issue, and um, uh, Mr. Liggett graduated from the Tennessee School for the Blind, where he went on to become a a minister and managed actually five churches in Tennessee. That seems like a lot to do. Um, After a time, he decided he wasn't outgoing enough to enjoy being a pastor, so he returned to Memphis and made his living as a salesman for several years before becoming a vending stand operator, eventually running a hospital cafeteria. Um, He attended the 2000 ACB convention in Louisville. I remember this. um, And his first ever um, and received um, an exceptional achievement award for his service. Um, And uh, so um, he expressed gratitude and pride in the organization that he helped found. um, And he did pass away in uh, 2011. Um, The Board of Publications set up the Hollis Liggett uh, Braille Free Press Award in 2007 and awarded it for the first time in 2008. So as ACB awards go, it's also a somewhat more a recent award and in that I remember it in my lifetime. So there there you go. Um, And I got to be on, I was on the BOP at the time when we worked on it. I helped establish all the criteria and stuff for that award. Excellent. So this is a, this is actually an internal award. The other two awards that the BOP um, officiates could go, although usually the Freeman Award goes inside the organization, it has the potential to, to not. And, the, um, and um, the, uh, the media award, the Henley Award, often goes outside the organization. Mm-hmm. In fact, almost always does. Um, but this one does come inside and is um, awarded to um, a newsletter, um, a state newsletter or a special interest affiliate newsletter. And again, we're looking at, uh, do we need to broaden the scope of this? We actually have an editor's uh, working group that uh, Zelda Geppert is um, involved with right now that is um, looking at how does ACB communicate in its affiliates in in sequential ways, like whether it's a Facebook group or whether it's a newsletter or what what is it? And we're finding that many, many affiliates have moved away from the traditional newsletter and are exploring some other media. So we want to be able to recognize and honor those. So watch for some changes in that award as well, perhaps, but um, we're working through it. But anyway, this this is um, a very important um, area for ACB because um, our our publication history um, has been very, very strong. And so we honor that through this award. Perfect. Thank you, Deb. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I don't have anyone here uh, to speak about Durward K. McDaniel. I'll be happy to read the nomination information. And then if, if anybody... Like would like to share about Durward that may have known him or know about him, that would be great. But yes, go ahead. 
Yeah, unfortunately, he wasn't around when I started, so I've never had the opportunity to meet, to meet him. But the Derwood K. McDaniel Ambassador Award is given in honor of ACB's founding father and first national pres uh, first national representative. It is presented to an individual who exhibits a positive image of blindness in his, her community. This candidate does not have to be a member of or active in any organization of the blind or be engaged in work for the blind. Uh, and that's all the nomination says. So one of the things Derwood. that I know about Durward, and again, I don't, I don't, I never met him, um, but I've heard stories about him traveling around the country to places to uh, really get to know and and draw people in. He he had a way about uh, drawing people to ACB, and uh, you know we have uh, the first timer award is also named after. Uh, Durward as well, right? The, that committee. Yes. And yes. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, it is the Durward K. McDaniel Ambassador Award, and he really was an ambassador for people, for, you know, for for people who are blind, to, to showcase the abilities of people who are blind. And I think he really lobbied and wanted to exemplify what people who are blind are able to accomplish in their lives. Absolutely. And and this is Kim, and I was yeah. just going to say that um, when when I was very young in ACB, um, and I I had several opportunities to work with Durward, and and I remember most clearly that one day he um, he said, you know, could I speak to you? And I said, uh oh, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I. I met up with him and he said, he said, I just wanted to say to you, young lady, that you are going to go somewhere in ACB and I have total faith in you and um, you're going to take this organization somewhere in the future. So stay with us. Wow. And that was obviously. He must have known something. Since I was president of ACB for six years and have been a leader in the organization. So I was the first woman president and mm -hmm. I guess he knew something and it was so just, he, he it was a very profound moment and he saw wonderful. something in, in yeah, me as a young girl and <laughs> said, you stay with us. You're going to take this organization somewhere. So. What a wonderful thing to encourage a young, you know, new member of the organization that way. Yeah. You know, that's great. This, this is, can I, I'd like to add in a bit about that too. Um, Especially the file cards. Him. Terry always tells the story of the file cards. I love it. <laughs> file card, not me. Oh, about all file the names, cards. the names he had. Oh, the file. Oh, that file. Yes, I yeah. that. <laughs> those are file cards. <laughs> file cards. Yes, but he was amazing. Just even without his cards, he was amazing. <laughs> yes, true. Back. What I was going to say is, um, ironically, this is the 50th anniversary this year of the. Massachusetts state affiliate. And he was very instrumental in starting that. And so many of the people who were involved in that in the very beginning, um, well, unfortunately, so many of them are gone now, but the people, for instance, the first, the first border to, uh, uh, list of officers rather, 
in that organization included people like Marlena Lieberg, Charlie Crawford, me, um, Kathy Devon, people that went that did a lot of other things in ACB through the years. Um, but and he was he would come up to Massachusetts and do everything he could to to help us get it started. And we did relatively well, um, especially. Well, I think our very first uh, convention that we had, we had 100. And, I remember having 112 people at the banquet because I was concerned that we hadn't gotten enough money in to pay to pay the caterer. Um, and, and I was running the convention. Um, it turned out we were fine, but there was a moment of panic. And But Derwood was always Derwood, MJ Schmidt and Mary Ballard were probably three of the most influential people in Massachusetts in the. 70s um and that was in it's that's it it was 50 years ago um anybody recall when her word passed away Ooh. oh i used to is it 98 1995 was it 95 thanks sharon yeah yeah the next the other thing that i wanted to say that's very interesting and we had Donna, uh, Marlena and I had found it at one point. I found it and Marlena was going to digitize it. And we did eventually at one point get it to Sharon. And we were using it when People of Vision came out. We had a cassette that Derwood had made of the story of the beginning of the end of the, the beginnings of ACB and all that happened back then. And it's a cassette tape i don't know sharon i'm hoping you still have it before i put it good i'll tell you why what's great about it is it was a conversation that he was having at two or three o'clock in the morning over several cups of coffee you can hear the coffee maker going in the background (laughs) and it's him in his own words telling the story of how acb was started and what they did it's a fabulous thing and he what it was was he put the cassette together and sent it to Phyllis Mitchell, Marlena Lieberg, Charlie Crawford, and me. And wow. I happened to find my copy of it. And Sharon has it. And I just think it would be a great thing for us to be able to get the, a digital copy of that out to folks again. That, that would be amazing. I was looking desperately for it today. Yeah, it's, um, it's right in Derwood's, it's in Derwood's uh, voice. own words. Yeah, yeah that's, yes. that's crazy. All we right. played an excerpt of that at something not that many years ago. I can't remember where, if it was a president's meeting or what, just a little bit of it. I, I vaguely recall that. So I think that I've named all of the awards, the people. You have? We, we do have a couple of other awards that are given out uh, that are membership awards. And do you have the the descriptions for I, those I don't have those in front of me, Sharon May, but they're the Membership Growth Award, and that's based on the actual growth of the, Sharon can probably speak more to that than I can, because the awards committee doesn't necessarily, doesn't really. Yeah, Sharon, do you, do you by chance? Involved in that. Can you talk a second about membership growth and. uh, Uh, The the membership membership. There's one that is for the greatest increase in number of members. Mm-hmm. And there's another one for the greatest increase in percentage of members. Of members, yeah. And there have have been a couple of years um, where the number and percentage were one for the same affiliate. Yes, that's crazy. Like last year, or was it year before? It was um, ACB students. Students, yep. So yeah, 
Very good. Thank you. Uh, Deb uh, Trevino, is there mm -hmm. any other uh, words or would you like to maybe uh, talk to those who may maybe want to speak about um, winning an award? I don't know. Or submitting an award. So, Deb, are you there? It's, a, it's, it's important that we do hear from anyone who has received an award. Um, I know that, uh, was it the last year Kim was president or year before that? Uh, uh, I brought one home to Delaware for the Affiliate Growth Award in numbers as well as percentage. And uh, that really means a lot to this little tiny affiliate. Um, we we um, we want to have anyone who's available to speak to having received an award. Um, the one that I received is not one that was given by the awards committee. The one I received was the leadership, the Morgan Chase leadership. Right, you got a fellow. You were a fellow, and that that I can tell you that. Um, any award makes a big difference to a person because every all of us like to be appreciated and recognized for what we do, and so it's an it's a really nice, tangible way of saying thank you. So, anyone out there who would like to speak to having received an award, please raise your hand. And Lucy, you can let us know if we have anyone. And. And while Lucy's looking, let me just say that the award committee, especially when it's in, in, an internal award, we do the best that we can to try to keep it a surprise, <laughs> really like to surprise people. Mm -hmm. So I was going to say that in 2017, I, I've done my share of surprising because I chaired this com the awards committee for uh, probably about well, yeah, five years. I don't I know. And, uh, but anyway, in 2017, I was totally taken back and received the George Card Award. And I pulled my plaque out of the closet and I'm looking at it. And it's, and I just, our plaques are beautiful, by the way, that uh, we present to people. Um, and it's Braille and print. And so mine says, for her outstanding leadership, service, and contribution to the betterment of the blindness community. And it was dated July 5th, uh, 2017. And it was in Reno, Nevada. It was a great convention. Yeah. And this was kind of like the icing on the cake, right? It was pretty uh, amazing. And you were surprised. I was so... I. I was very and we love that. And we've even surprised people on the awards committee um, with awards. That was that was hard when Brenda Dillon got an award mm -hmm. that one year. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was so wonderful. Yep. That was so great. Um, and sometimes you have to do a little sleuthing and oh, talk to yes. the right people to see. Yep. Do you know if so and so is going to be there? Are they registered? <laughs> How do we get them to the banquet? <laughs> and. Yep, you have to be a little decept, do a little deception sometimes. I, it's kind of, but it's fun to Lucy, surprise. Do we someone. have any raised hands? No, nope, we sure don't. No. Okay. Oh wow, Deb, why don't you talk? Do you want to talk about because you know this better than I do the deadline and all of that for the yeah, award? I was going to ask both both Debs to share and the process in which, like, uh, what do people need to submit and when is it due and how do they submit it? For the awards, the, the committee oversees, we 
the deadline is going to be April 2nd, 11.59 on April 2nd. And we need a letter. Yeah, Eastern time. Eastern time, yes. And so we need a letter stating why you believe the person should receive the award. Please pay attention to the guidelines that you've heard tonight. They're also um, up on the website, ACWE's website. So you can see them there. Um, for questions, you could always contact myself or Debbie Rosier, as we are uh, co-chairs. And um, we haven't received very many nominations this year. And so even though we're not meeting in person, we are giving the awards. And the plaques will be mailed to the recipient. So they will still get a plaque. And so it's very important, as I said before, to say thank you for folks to folks who have done significant things. Um, because we're not always aware of them. And sometimes it's a local person that you know or you know of. And the, they're not necessarily always visible on a national level. Right. And uh, do you want to give your email sure. address? My email address is hooksandneedles at live.com. All right. People can always email community at acb.org and I can forward anything you have to the right people And it people is up on well. the website also. And it's on the, the website. Yep. Perfect. Yep. All right. And Deb with the BOP sure. Awards. Yeah. Sure. So our awards are due like any minute now. So uh, for the uh, Freeman Award, most of those, as I said, come from uh, the issues of our magazine. And you don't have to do anything if you've had an article published in the magazine between April of last year and March of this year. And if you don't meet certain other criteria like that, you're on the BOP or you've recently won an award. We figured that out and, um, and those will happen. But if you do want to submit a um, a, um, an article Nominee. from a newsletter, right, from another newsletter, from a state affiliate newsletter, an article, um, you need to do that right away. Um, we need, I believe we need those by the 1st of April. So we'll need that this week. Um, for our Henley Award, we've been a little more flexible. We normally need to have those really um, by around the beginning of April as well. We have accepted those a bit later at times. Um, so um, again, we need the information though soon if you're thinking you'd like to um, be able to nominate uh, some media project for that. And also for our other award, um, the uh, um, newsletters submission, that is a, a little bit more complicated award. Um, we have an article in the January edition of the Braille Forum that describes a process for submitting the awards. And that one does require you to submit um, a copy of the newsletter and to answer a number of questions for us. So um, it would be good to pull that article. It's online and in the January Forum to get that information. Um, for all of our awards, probably the easiest uh, way to submit them to us right now would be to submit them directly to Sharon Lovering in the national office. Her address is slovering at acb.org. And of course, you can call the national office if you have any questions about those um, BOP awards. And we'll make sure that someone, uh, Sharon or I will chat with you about them if you have questions about them. But particularly for the Henley Award, we're always uh, looking for nominations, especially for that one, because that is our most external uh, BOP award. And this is an opportunity to um, 
to honor some someone or some organization that has made a significant media contribution. And I just want to say for the ACB Awards, we don't mean to be mean to people, but we mm-hmm. really do have to stick to that deadline because mm-hmm. we've had people that have submitted awards after the fact and we just, the committee has decided they're just not able to accept them because we have a deadline and we need to make the decisions on the awards as quickly as we can because we have to get the plaque. language and then order the plaques. So really, we do need your submission by 11.59 p.m. Eastern time on April 2nd. All right. Can I just ask a quick question of Deb Deb Cook Lewis? I'm saying Deb Quick Lewis. Whatever, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Particularly the Henley Award. Would Would something like a company that's Packaging includes Braille on it, um, and maybe that they also do a very good job for large print on it. Would something like that be appropriate, perhaps, for the Henley Award? Well, we've done some different kinds of things. Like I said, it's usually a media award, so it's usually been uh, film or uh, publication or something along those lines. But certainly you could nominate anything. In this case, you'd be talking about the accessibility of their of their information. And um, so if you if you framed it in that way, you know, we probably could consider it. Yeah, like accessible pharmacy for one. Sure. Actually, truthfully, what I was thinking about is uh, the dogsters, the little dog, dog paws, frosty paws type thing. Mm-hmm. Dogsters mm-hmm. puts the in Braille on the side of their packaging. They have mm-hmm. it in Braille, what, what flavor it is and everything. Really? Uh-huh. I never yes. noticed that. You're kidding. Yeah. Yeah. On, wow. yeah. on the, it's not frosty yeah. paws. It's dogsters. That does oh, it in okay, a company out of New Jersey. Okay. I'll yeah. be darned. Yeah. So generally, yeah. generally for the media award, it needs to be at a national level. So if they market nationwide, you know, would probably, like I said, you know, you we ha- we get some interesting submissions and we we try to be, you know, flexible and open-minded about thinking about it. But if they do create um, you know, accessible advertising and they do create um some you know, um, and it is, and that would be, you know, potentially media related. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think you should, you could certainly submit it. Well, I know Wegmans carries them, and I, so I think they're at least. Yeah, so that's the Northeast, know. right? Because we don't have that out here. But yeah, yeah, if, we, have, it's a major, we have it down the mid, mid Atlantic. I wasn't sure how far they go. Right. I don't know if other companies yeah. do, but uh-huh. I'm just yeah. curious. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, like I said, I think we've been um, we've been open to various um, possibilities. So um, it's not a hard award to submit. I mean, the only one that's kind of hard is the um, is the one for the newsletters that takes yep. a little bit of work. But the others are, are really about writing it up and describing it and letting us know who the contact people would be for it and and that kind of thing. Um, and so it's not really hard, but um, I would get it in right away if you're going to do that. All right. Deb Trevino, do you have any final thoughts? No, just that we would like to see um, folks nominate people um, who they feel deserve these awards, and it's going to have to be quick, but uh, it'll be well worth your time and effort because, as I said, everyone appreciates being acknowledged for the things that they do. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for all of you taking time out of your evening to be with us tonight. And thank you, Debbie Hazelton, for streaming for us. And we hope you all have a great week. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We look forward to lots of awards. <laughs> <laughs>